0: This is episode 89 of the Prepper Website podcast. Today's articles are: What to do when there is no medical help, a four-season emergency plan, summer survival, and six misconceptions about prepping that mislead many. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before I get started, just one really quick announcement. I'm having a heck of a time trying to give away a 183-serving mega-sampler pack from Legacy Food. So, you know, this this giveaway ended like two weeks ago, and uh, maybe even longer than that. And so I contacted the first uh, entry for the first, you know, raffle, Rafflecopter automatically, you know, lets me know who the the winner is. And so contacted that person, gave them a week, sent them a couple of emails, did not hear back from them. So I chose another person or, or I told Rafflecopter to disqualify that first person and give me another person. Well, another person came up and I went ahead and emailed them because I want to go ahead and, you know, get this mega sampler out to the winner. Um, but when I looked at their entry and what they did, I went to go double check on because it was one that I could double check really easily and I didn't see them on there. So basically they, they did an entry and they said that they did it, but they didn't really do it. And so I emailed back the person, I'm like, Hey, you didn't really, you know, I don't see your comment. And, uh, so I, I mean, I can't, I don't feel good about sending you this, uh, this, uh, Mega sampler here. So I've picked another person. I've picked, uh, so Rafflecopter has sent out, uh, given me another one. I disqualified that second one. I have a third one. I emailed them um, yesterday, have not heard back yet. I mean, if I got an email like, hey, I want <laughs> a mega sampler pack, I'd be like, hey, yeah, all right, cool. Uh, send it to me, here's my address. So I'm waiting for the winner to to let me know that they got that email or yeah, that email from me, and so that I can go ahead and forward that over to Legacy Foods, so that they can send that mega sampler out. Uh, if I don't hear with you know here I, I guess you know I, I guess before Monday, I'm gonna choose another one. Um, the reason I'm saying this is because when you enter you know one of these, I know that you know everybody has those email addresses that you kind of use that. Uh, you don't really care if you put it out there or not, but you, you know, you gotta check them on a regular basis, uh, every once in a while, even if it's just kind of popping in and, and browsing it really, really quickly. Um, so hopefully this winter, Kevin, hopefully you'll let me know, uh, you'll email me here. Pretty quickly, if not, I'll choose another one. And the reason I'm again I'm saying this is because there is another giveaway out there. Um, B Survival has contacted me and said, "Hey, Todd, we're doing we're doing a mega sampler pack too. We, you know, will you uh, let your people know if they want a- another chance at winning the mega sampler pack?" So I'm going to go ahead and link to their article where they have reviewed the Mega Sampler Pack, and they have a Rafflecopter giveaway as well. But if you go do, you know, you do that and you submit it, make sure that you're, you know, whenever it ends, like make a little note of it, calendar, whatever, and then go check that out. Uh, You know, uh, you can also go to the article and the uh, where the Rafflecopter is, and it will display, or you can display it. I, I chose to display it who the winner is. And so uh, just uh, FYI there. So I'm going to link to that. So if you want to go, um, you know, have another chance to win, you have that other chance. All right. So let's go ahead and start uh, our articles. Our first article comes to us from Food Storage Moms. And the article is entitled, What to Do When There is No Medical Help. And I think this is an important article. And uh, I ho- hopefully you think it is too. No medical help. My biggest fear is for other people when there is no medical help after a major disaster. I am prepared to do many things, even stitches, if I had to do them. I can use a splint to help with a broken arm. Please note I am not a doctor, nurse, or anyone in the medical field. I have learned to heal my own body. When I was young, we never ran to the doctor for anything. My mother used a purple-violet spray on strep throat. Did it work? Well, I'm still alive. I grew up in the age of chickenpox, measles, and even polio. Medicine has come a long way, some ways for the better and some ways not so great. Trust me, I am not against using any doctors. I just think we need to be prepared to take care of ourselves if the SHTF is not if, but when. I have told you before, Mark and I took some cert classes where we learn to use splints, dress or not dress certain burns, how to label the wounded that were too far gone to help, and so much more. This will be hard for me because I love to help people, but more people need to know how to do a few minor medical procedures than ever before. If and when we have a grid down, you need some hard copy books in your possession to recognize some medical issues and do the very best you can. This is how I see it. There are leaders and there are followers. After a disaster or grid down, we will have both of these and more like the disruptors. Some people may become hysterical after just a few days without electricity because they are not sure what to do. One or more people will take charge. Some will look look to you for help. This is why it is critical we have a few tools to get us through a minor or major collapse. No professional medical help will be a huge issue. Here's the deal. All medical personnel and emergency responders will be called to the hospital or medical clinics. Possibly even your local schools will become a place of refuge to help those in need of medical help. Well, this means we will be on our own. So here are my thoughts to get us through something like this. All comments and responses will be greatly appreciated. Water. Water will be a key element element to hydrate those people who have very little water stored. I recommend storing at least 4 gallons of water per person per day. It's quite likely some of your neighbors will have no water stored. I'm not addressing food storage today. First Aid Kit I have a printable list for you, but I would take stock of all the -the over-the-counter drugs you use quite regularly. Please add Benadryl. My neighbors borrow mine all the time. I stock and rotate all my over-the-counter drugs as well as my essential oils. So there is a link to her printable that you can download and print for your uh, uh, for a first aid kit for supplies that you would want to get. A first aid book. Please get a hard copy as we may not have the internet. The Survival Medicine Handbook, A Guide for When Help is Not on the Way. And that is the same book. She's linking to the same book by Dr. Bones and her Sammy that I always talk about that you should have in your preps. Uh, first aid skills. Please learn CPR, take a CERT class and an EMT class, Community Emergency Response Team. So there's a link for that as well. Remember, we may have no medical help for days, weeks, or months. Bleach. I realize some people are really against bleach. Well, we will need lots of bleach to get rid of MRS or dangerous sewage contamination. Please note, bleach only stores for typically 9 to 12 months. Look into pool shock for shock treatments of water, for water containers like a backyard pool and store some of them as well supplies you can never have too many supplies start stocking up on all items we could use as a neighborhood to help ourselves and those around us the pharmacies will be closed and empty after a major disaster what you have in your house this very minute may be all you have to save your family supplies can be water food tools knives weapons etc Please order some N95 masks or N100 masks as you can afford them. You can never have too many uh, 3M 1860 medical masks, N95 20 counts. So She's linking to Amazon there where you can buy some masks. Blankets. We can always use all our blankets to lay critically hurt people on the ground or cover them to try and prevent shock. Never give away usable blankets. Make a roster for your neighborhood. Please make a plan with those neighbors who are interested in participating in a monthly meeting to share skills and things we can all bring to the table, so to speak. After a disaster, I've said this before: the neighborhood, the neighbor down the street with a chainsaw may be your best friend. Only include those neighbors you feel comfortable working with and you can trust to step up and to help. All right. Um, okay. Let me keep going. I'll come back. I'll come back to that. I just want to talk a little bit about that a contact list of neighbors. If we need to try and email or call family members of neighbors, we need a list of contacts if and when any power is restored. If a certain neighbor is critically hurt, we need to be able to contact a close family member or friend. Walkie-talkies, flashlights, headlamps, as well as whistles are must-have items. Remember, disasters don't always happen in the daylight hours. Please be prepared with batteries or solar flashlights. Make a plan with neighbors. Do it this week. Next week may be too late. Only choose neighbors you can count on to be on your team. Decide who will be in charge and list the items each family has to contribute and teach others the skills we all need to survive. Pass a list around and list what items we each have and the items we need to get. I'm not talking about sharing how much food or cash you have. This is mainly getting to know your neighbors. Seeing them at church each week is not going to get the job done. You must know your neighbors or at the least the ones you want to have on your team if you are going to work together to make a difference during and after a disaster situation. Now, make a plan for survival as a team. Store a lot of large black bags to dispose of, refuse to burn later, and also to possibly cover the dead. Color tape and large colored squares to label homes. These are the tapes or colored cards we need in every home to help us know who needs help and who is okay for right now. Blue is hand for handicapped persons, handicapped person lives in this home. Red means needs immediate help. Yellow, delay does not need immediate help. Green, person or family is okay. Painter sticks, get them from Home Depot or your local hardware store. Work great for splints. Be sure and store nonstick gauze to wrap a broken arm on the splint. Classes. Take a class on how to do stitches and learn to use a stethoscope. If we can't help a majorly hurt people, we will have to step over them and help those we can help. This sounds cold, but I learned this from my cert class. Those that are majorly hurt will have to wait for medical personnel. Yes, they may die, but we can only do what we can do. I hope we never have to deal with any of this, but I know it's inevitable, so we must be prepared for the unexpected. Please be ready to help your family when there is no medical help on the way. What are your plans to be better prepared when medical help isn't ready or readily available? Reader's comments, Janet, one thing I thought of is butterfly bandages. Uh, Now people use steri-strips. Growing up, my mother, a nurse, used butterfly bandages to close a cut. We didn't run to the doctor for much. And then there is a link to the Centers for Disease Control. Okay, so a lot of links here, and again, uh, you know, it's always good when you can download a list of first aid supplies. So uh, you definitely want to go visit Food Storage Moms and, and check that out. Um, I, you know, the first first aid supplies will never ever do you do you wrong, right? I mean, uh, you'll always use them up. And I always remember listening to Nurse Amy one time. Uh, was talking about you know you think you you might have a lot of supplies but in a big situation and a big uh you know incident even one person who's ble- bleeding a lot you can use up a lot of your stash and then you know you're you're you know that's gone so you'll have to depend on other things so medical supplies are always great i like the idea of you know look at what you currently use those over the counter drugs that you normally you know use on a regular basis and start stocking up on those and start rotating them just like you would rotate your food storage. I think that's a great idea. Getting to know your neighbors. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about this because I have I have mentioned it before. I think that's important. It's important to do. Now it's it's hard, right? Cause she's saying go do it and you know share skills and 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 all you know uh, all that kind of stuff. You really would have to know your neighbors there. And if you don't, um, you know, I'm thinking like years of knowing people, being able to, hey, you know, uh, for instance, Tropical Storm Cindy, I, I, it's going to be a non-event for, for those of us on the west side of Houston so or northwest side of Houston. So I'm not really too worried about that. Um, I talked about that yesterday, but you know, you can always use those kinds of things to start a conversation with other people. Hey, you know, Hey, have you ever thought about, uh, you know, if this, if the power goes out or, you know, we're in a storm or whatever, you know, uh, you know, how we can help each other and you can kind of start a conversation that way. But you do want to know your neighbors. You know, some of them are going to think you're a whack job and no, get away from me. Um, so that's why you really want to know. But I like the idea of knowing, uh, you know, what your neighbors bring to the table I've always said that if there was the big one, the big one ever hit, that I would be calling all my neighbors together and letting them know, hey, we need to go ahead and organize as a neighborhood and start, you know, uh, a watch. We need to, you know, make sure that we're doing what we can to protect ourselves as a neighborhood. Um, But I like that idea of knowing what your neighbors can do. And that's what I, quite frankly, that's what I would do. Uh, If I called all my neighbors together, I would say, hey, who has you know, gardening skills, who has medical skills, who has this, let's go ahead and start a list going. So, uh, you know, where your address and, and all that kind of stuff. But then she took it a step further that I thought was really great. And I never, I never have seen this before where you get a list of, uh, of your neighbor's family, right? So if for some reason uh you know your neighbor next door they pass out or they have a heart attack or they're deathly ill and you are able to get messages out, you know, cell phone ser- service comes up or for whatever, you know, whatever happens, then you would be able to contact them because you would have a list of their numbers. Um, you know, again, that's that's if you're in a situation where the grid is up, and you know, a, a lot of the times we, when we're talking about big SHTF situations, well, you know, we're talking about the big ones. But if the grid was up and you could get information, I, th- I think that that would be awesome to be able to do something like that. So I really, really like that aspect of it. A uh, lot of good stuff here, uh, and so I think you should go check this one out and go download that first aid kit, uh, you know, uh, PDF for sure. I think that's very, very valuable. And definitely start building up your medical supplies. I think that's one of the big ones. She mentioned essential oils. I ta- again, I talked about this yesterday. I think the more and more that uh, we need to be uh, a little bit more knowledgeable about how we can uh, take care of ourselves. All right, so let's go ahead and go to the next one. Uh, next one is coming to us from uh, The Survival Mom. So thesurvivalmom.com. And this one is entitled A Four Seasons Emergency Plan. So, and this one is specific to summer survival. And, uh, you know, we're right smack dab in the middle of of summer. So, uh, I think this is a good one. Not long ago, I was feeling pretty good about my food storage and other preps, perhaps even a bit smug, until someone asked, are you stocked up on potassium iodide tablets? What was my incredulous response? After some research as at a... And I discovered a significant gap in all my survival preparation. I had not considered how my family would survive a nuclear blast. How foolish of me to overlook the con- that contingency. The truth is that it's impossible to prepare for every possible scenario. There are just too many variables. To make the task more manageable, set a seasonal preparedness goal. Right now it's summer in Arizona and oh so hot. Preparing for a summer evacuation or crisis is different than for other seasons. If a sudden emergency happened during the summer, how would you need to be prepared? What are your summer survival plans? The basics. First on the list, make sure that there is plenty of stored water in each vehicle. There is true. Uh, this is true for any season, but especially so during the summer. If there is the possibility of a disruption in your home water supply, buy and fill 55-gallon water barrels. One barrel per person would be a good rule of thumb for a three-week supply of water. To ensure your water is safe from dangerous microbes, follow these instructions for water purification. If you live in a rural setting or spend a lot of time camping and hiking, stock up on water purification tablets, also in case you have to rely on possibly contaminated water source such as a lake, pond, or stream. Food is an obvious second priority. The food in your vehicle 72-hour kit should be safe in high temperatures. In fact, do a quick check to make sure everything in your kit is safe at high temperatures, including any medicines. Double-check any canned items for signs of expansion. An explosion of SpaghettiOs in your kit will not be a pleasant surprise. Warm temps also bring the very best summer fruits and lots of them. It's an ideal time to buy and season fruits and veggie, veggies in bulk and get busy canning and or dehydrating. Since your kids are out of school, you have additional slave labor. Take advantage of it. How about the temperature in your food storage area? Ideally, it should be cooler than 70 degrees, which may be difficult during summer months. Our long-term food storage is meant to be long-term, and it would be a shame to end up with ruined food because your storage area was too hot. If you're unsure of your pantry's temperature, keep a thermometer in there for a few days and check for temperature fluctuations. Above all, never store food of any kind in your garage or outbuilding unless it's well insulated. The clothing items in your 72-hour kit should reflect summer temperatures in your area. Include a light-colored cotton long sleeve shirt for each person to help ward off sunburn and overheating as well as floppy brimmed cotton hat. Why a cotton hat? Unlike most straw hats, they can be rolled up and stored just about anywhere and the fabric will absorb sweat. As long as you're out shopping for floppy hats, look for children's summer clothing in the next size or two larger. When next June rolls around, you'll already have clothing in the right sizes for your kids. Hypothermia is something you probably won't need to worry about over the summer, but sunburns, heat stroke, and breathing problems abound. Polluted city air is often exasperated by warm temperature inversions. If someone in the family has breathing problems of any type, be prepared with the appropriate medication and breathing treatments ahead of time. If you had to suddenly evacuate or couldn't leave your home for a period of time during the hottest part of the year, what types of over-the-counter and prescription medicines would you need the most? In my part of the country, powerful thunderstorms blow in every July and August. They've been known to hit power lines and even major transformers, knocking out the power for large sections of the city. If your electricity should go out for a few hours, days, or longer, you'll need a plan for coping. A top priority is keeping the food in your fridge and freezer from spoiling. Follow these excellent directions for keeping your cold foods cold. Once you're sure your frozen steaks and veggies are safe, you'll need to stay cool yourself. A portable Misty Mate fills the, fit, fills the bill for staying cool no matter where you are. It's a great product, and being a swim, a swim team mom who sits out in the heat every day, I should know. Finally, do you have a plan for getting out of town quickly? Remembering the horror stories from Hurricane Ike in 2008? Cars were overheating along the highway, and it took hours to travel just a few miles. If your area was being evacuated this summer, what other routes are there? Being stuck in a world-class traffic jam in the summer isn't just inconvenient, it could become a death trap. Spend some time studying maps of your area and marking various routes from point A to point B. If necessary, have maps of any neighboring states. Then, on a pleasant weekend, when you have some time on your hands, actually drive one of those alternate routes. There's nothing like a recon mission to determine if the plans you made will work out. So, a lot of good advice, things that you could be doing during the summertime to uh, to help be prepared. I want to talk a little bit just uh about um, like food and water in your in your in your vehicle, right um, I've always had a problem with the fact that um, it gets so hot here in texas and i know some of y'all live in you know in a little bit more milder climates so you really don't have to worry about um you know you might have to worry about freezing temperatures and your food freezing but you might not have to worry about food getting too hot but here in texas i mean or in houston uh you know no problem i mean your the cars get really really hot really really quick and so I always had a problem like storing plastic, uh, any kind of plastic water jugs in the um, in the car because it would get so hot. Um, you know, is just I, I don't know. I had a problem with it even if it was okay. Um, you know, you read different things in there, and then food, putting food in there. So here's a solution that you might want to consider. You might have your vehicle preps. Uh, You know, stored away in there. So you might have the clothing like Lisa was talking about. You might have clothing in there. You might have a hat in there. You might have other kind of supplies in there, first aid supplies, uh, different things like that. But you might want to have a small bag that would carry your water and your food, maybe kind of like a little satchel. Uh, a little like gym bag, something like that. Um, I have found that if you go to resale shops like Goodwill and different, you can find really great deals on those types of bags, even a backpack, right? Uh, Getting a backpack that has, you know, I don't know, know, like 12 bottles of water and the food that you would want to carry and maybe some medicine uh, in there. And so what you would do is You would carry that in and out of the car with you. Now, it would be inconvenient if you're carrying a lot of things. It would be inconvenient if you have kids and things like that. Um, but you know, you can train your kids to do it or you can do it yourself. And so, uh, what you would do is, uh, you, when you leave you know, to go to work, you would take that little backpack, you'd just leave it by the door, you take it with you to the car, you, you know, take it with you to work. Or when you get out at work, you take it out, you know, set it by your desk or in your office or wherever you are, and then pick it back up again. If it's in a backpack, no one's going to really question you. Um, you know, you, you can just say, Oh, just, it's my stuff, right? Uh, And, uh, you know, that way you don't have to worry about items that can spoil in the, the cold or the heat. Uh, going bad, so you'll always have it with you, and in, in case of an emergency, so that's something to to consider and something to think about. Um, you know that you that you might not have had, so you'll want to keep all the other things, you know, in the car, whatever you might have a box, a tote, whatever, however you decide to keep it in there. But this little you know gym bag would be going with you uh, if you were going into the office. I mean, of course, if like you're running errands and you're going to go into the store, I mean, it's no problem staying in there for you know 30 minutes, whatever. But I'm not talking about leaving, leaving it in there for long periods of time in, in the car. So uh, not overnight, not during the day, not while you're at work or school or whatever you're at. So just a little bit of advice there. There's a lot of links here on, uh, on the, the Survival Moms article. So you definitely want to come check it out because she's, she's linking to all kinds of things that you'll be interested in, in, interested in. All right, our last article comes to us from smartpreppergear.com. And this article is entitled Six Common Misconceptions About Prepping That Mislead Many. Let's go ahead and start reading this one. Preppers are crazy. They are a bunch of tin foil hat wearing basement dwellers who live like hermits. This is what most people think about preppers. It's funny just a few years ago it was normal for Americans to have bomb shelters, grow their own food and even carry guns for protection. Now our society has become so reliant on technology and government that they believe self-reliance is just foolish. Many people I know live like nothing wrong will ever happen. They are blind to natural and man-made disasters, wars, economic crises, etc. At the same time, there are many people who call themselves preppers who don't fully understand the idea or movement. That typically they t- sorry, they typically load up on ammunition, and build bug-out bags so they can proclaim themselves to be preppers. However, there is much more to prepping than that. In this post, I want to debunk some of the most common misconceptions about prepping that mislead many. Six common misconceptions about prepping that mislead many. Number 1. You need to have experience in military, law enforcement, or medical profession. Or medical profession. Professional, I guess I should have said profession. There are many preppers that believe in order to be a true prepper, you need to have served some sort of stint with the military, law enforcement, or medical profession. For some reason, there is this belief that in order to be the ultimate prepper, you need to have these types of experiences. Those without these experiences are just less of a prepper and will never survive long. However, preparedness is all about returning to the roots of being self-sufficient and prepared for any type of event that could have some sort of effect. Yes, the military may teach you a lot of survival and tactical skills that are relevant to preparedness. That doesn't mean that you should join the army in order to become a better prepper or to be qualified as one. Survival and tactical skills are just two aspects of preparedness. There are other skills that are important and helpful when living a preparedness lifestyle. Other skills could include agriculture, carpentry, hunting, etc., there is the belief that only those with tactical skills will survive in collapse or SHTF scenario. However, many people in the military have lost their lives fighting in those types of situations. Therefore, the ultimate prepper needs to be well balanced. Tactical skills are helpful to have. Instead of joining the military, you can actually get some training locally. Most of the time, it is training from former military or law enforcement. Number 2. Prepping is all about being tactical. It's funny sometimes watching new people get involved in preparedness. They almost immediately buy paracord bracelets, tactical pants, and backpacks. It's the first instinct because they have probably seen it on mainstream shows like Doomsday Preppers and hundreds of prepper forums. In many prepper forums, I see people post tons of pictures about their bug out bags and guns in hopes to increase their credibility. However, I admire those who live a self-reliant lifestyle in the country more than someone who has tons of backpacks but still reliant upon the grid. Instead, the prepper should be focused on being the gray man. Our aim shouldn't be to draw attention to ourselves. The last thing you want is your neighbors to know that you are a prepper with tons of emergency ready for, for when the SHTF. I don't care how nice and pleasant they are. When SHTF, those some, those some nice people become savage a-holes. Number three, the most important prep is bug out bag. Like I said, most prepper newbies immediately begin building their bug out bag because it is the cool thing to do. They fantasize about the day that they would have to bug out because they want to show others how uh, bad they are. Realistically, bugging out should never be plan A. There is a lower chance of you surviving if you are forced to bug out instead of bugging in and hunkering down. Therefore, your preparedness plan should be built around bugging in and hunkering down so it is important to determine if and when you should bug out. Bugging out should be the absolute last option. Now unfortunately, a lot of us preppers are not in a position to bug in and hunker down when SHTF. Some of us would be forced to bug out. However, while we are still able, we should be focused on getting in a position to where we would never have to bug out. Number 4. Having a lot of prepper gear and supplies will guarantee survival. Many are following the belief that their gear and supplies are going to determine their survivability. They feel that the more guns and beans they have, the longer they will survive. Then when they are forced to use their guns, they are sadly mistaken because they have no clue how to properly defend themselves. What is the point of having an artillery of guns and ammunition if you don't know how to properly, properly use it? Many preppers break their banks hoarding these items but never spend a day practicing or getting training. I guess that having guns and ammunition automatically qualifies you as a bad egg. What would happen if you lost your gear and supplies? Would you be able to survive? Most preppers will not because they have never developed any skills. Knowledge and skills are the most valuable and lightweight prep to have. Our skills will increase our survivability. The gear and supplies just make it more convenient. I really like that um, I'm breaking breaking, just stopping just for a second. I really like that last line there. Um that's a nice quote. The gear and supplies just make it more convenient. So um I think the skills the skills are important and you hear that all the time in the articles that we read. I know that uh Leanne Edmondson on the Wednesday podcast, uh yesterday's podcast, uh talked about that uh, you know, f- about, you know, the knowledge and the skills and she realized that you can't you can't store enough. At some point, whatever you have stored, your gear is going to go bad. Whatever you have stored is going to run out. You need to be able to uh, you know, be self reliant. You need to be able to grow your food. And so uh, you hear that, that theme over and over and over again. So that's why it's important to, to learn and to get uh, a certain amount of capacity of information inside of you, but then also to go out there and to practice. That's, that's very important. Alright, moving on. Number five is purchasing decisions should be based out of fear. There are many websites and wacko radio hosts who scream and rant about the globalists taking over the world, intentionally stirring up fears and hopes that many will purchase their products. I remember watching one such wacko radio host urging people to buy the products on his show, proclaiming that the collapse is coming in a few days. A few days went by and nothing happened. Of course, he came up with some lame excuse as to why those events didn't happen. His unnamed inside source explained to him what was happening. Never trust someone that always has unnamed inside sources. That is what I call fear-mongering. It is what the mainstream news does in order to get the American people to follow their government blindly. Sadly, wolves like these have crept into the preparedness movement. Purchasing decisions shouldn't be based out of fear. In fact, this has caused many to go broke and struggle to survive because they made decisions out of fear. Your purchasing decisions should be based on your preparedness plan which is built upon a threat assessment and in line with your budget. You don't want to be purchasing gear and supplies without a plan. This will cause you to be partially prepared in many areas. In my book, The Strategic Prepper, I will be explaining how to prepare the smart way on a budget. It also gets into how to conduct a threat assessment so that you can prioritize your purchasing decisions. Uh, great. I'm also we're kind of working on an article, but uh, I haven't read this book, The Strategic Prepper. Um, so, But there is a link to it there, and so you can go check that out. And uh, I'm sure it goes into some really great detail about looking at your threat assessments and plans and uh, you know, starting from a plan. That is what I suggest. You do not want to start off, you know, like he said, from the from the point of fear, and not not just because somebody is fear mongering, but because you know your eyes were open to how fragile we are, or you read a book, or you know whatever it might be, and you realize that, man, you know this world that we live in. Is pretty fragile, and so you start, you know, going. Uh, I've talked about that before, right? It, at the beginning, I would walk into a store and I'd just like, man, what do I need to survive? And, and and really, I should be buying groceries for the week, you know, those kinds of things. So you definitely want to start from a uh, from a plan. You you need to have a plan. Uh, all right. So moving on. Last last one, number six. Preppers are conspiracy theorists. Yes, admittedly, there are few tinfoil hat wearers in the preparedness movement. However, that doesn't mean that they are wrong. Many of their concerns are valid, except for those who believe in aliens taking over the earth or zombies crawling out of graves. However, most of the concerns that preppers have are realistic. For example, many of us prepare for man-made and natural disasters. We see natural disasters occur almost on a monthly basis. Even the threat of a possible nuclear fallout is very real. Many people just brush it off as something that will never happen so they can continue to live their soft, cushioning life. Altogether, these would be my observations on the most common misconceptions that preppers make. In my book, The Strategic Prepper, I talk about how preppers can set a more realistic preparedness plan. Feel free to leave a comment below if you have any suggestions or feedback. Your feedback helps to prepare the prepper community. Prepare the smart way now so that we can thrive later. All right, so... uh Good article there. Some misconceptions that you always hear. If you're new to preparedness, uh, you know you might have. Uh, you know, I I saw uh, a post just the other day where someone was, "Hey, I'm kind of new. Where do I start off?" And and some of the suggestions were bug out bug out plan, and I I didn't want to, you know, uh, it wasn't my group, and I didn't want to get in there and start, you know, uh, trying to trying to say different things. But I was like, man, no, you want to start off with a plan, you know, you need to look at where, and that kind of uh, pushed me to start taking some notes on on what, you know, this this article that I would write eventually, hopefully I get to it at some point, but, uh, you know, looking at, you know, creating a plan. So, uh, you know, if you're new to preparedness, maybe you've stumbled upon this podcast just, you know, from iTunes or Stitcher, and uh, you, it just kind of popped up for you and you started listening. Uh, you know there is some uh, you definitely the world that we live in is crazy and uh, our world is fragile and that's why we prep we prep to take care of ourselves and our families uh, if something you know was to happen Uh, we're not wanting it to happen we're not looking for it to happen but we are aware and if it does happen we want to be ready for it Uh, just like this uh, talked about this tropical storm it's not really coming again I already said it's not coming our way but It's not something where you have to run out to the store and prepare and and buy supplies because you're already prepared for it. Uh, In talking to um, somebody on the Facebook group, uh, you know, they were saying they're in Louisiana. Renee, Renee, I think uh, I think I mentioned her yesterday. She's in Louisiana, but her thing was, I don't have to go to the store. I'm prepared. You know, I don't have to go fight uh, everybody who's trying to trying to buy supplies. I'm good to go. And so that's that's why we prep. You know? And uh so that's that that's the important thing. Alright, so that's uh it for episode eighty nine. I can't believe that tomorrow is going to be episode ninety. Time has flown by really, really fast. I do appreciate everyone who is out there uh supporting the podcast. Hey, I, again, just wanna give that shout out to com if you're looking for another uh, entry into winning that big mega sampler. Well, go over to episode, uh, 89 and I'll have a direct link over to his article to where you can go and you can enter over there. Uh, and, uh, if I have contacted you, uh, Kevin, if you're out there, you're listening and I have contacted you about this mega sampler, send me an email. I'm going to wait till Sunday and then I'm going to pull, uh, another person and hopefully that person, uh, will get it. If But I, I really want to send this out to someone because uh, it's, a, it's, a it's a great pack, a great mega sampler. I mean, it's, it's huge. So uh, we'll go for that, all right? So again, as always, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.